Today is Wasteful Wednesday. That's right. Super Tuesday has come and gone. It is now the day after what I'm going to call Waste Wednesday. Sorry, not Wasteful. Um, we're just going to be thinking about zero waste alternatives here, ladies and gentlemen. So um, some good tips and tricks for uh, zero waste. Something to invest in into your home in terms of producing less garbage and waste in general of resources to recycle as well. So the first tip I'm going to give you guys is, of course, using a French press to make your coffee. Instead of buying all those filters and using filters every time you make coffee, wouldn't it be better just to have one French press machine that you never have to replace a filter for? That's right, using a steel, or I guess it's stainless steel filter, you're able to sift the coffee grounds and make a perfect French press coffee for your mornings. The second um, change that I'm going to insist on making is uh, switching to using only metal utensils. That's right, bringing utensils wherever you go or bags if you need them. Um, just so that you don't have to use disposable ones. It's very easy when you go to lunch the next day for work. Just remember a little baggie with your fork and knife and spoon. And my last suggestion that I'll make is more of an energy conscious one. Instead, and it might be better for your clothes too. Instead of putting all your clothes in the dryer, I would recommend maybe just putting the clothes that you need dried immediately if, if you have a lot of clothes that are within the laundry. And then kind of putting some of the delicater ones or the ones that you want to keep their quality and maintain it on a drying rack. Yes, it saves the environment by using less electricity and you're being more efficient. So with that, I will end my advice for Waste Wednesday and we will get on to your podcast. So on this daily podcast, episode 46, hosted by none other than me, we have three stories for you today. The first story is about Super Tuesday yesterday and how our candidates survived and um, what are the results of Super Tuesday. We're going to talk about Joe Biden, we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders, and we might talk about a couple of others like Mike Bloomberg and Elizabeth Warren and how they did. Our second piece of news, we're going to be talking about Greek and Turkish riot police. Um, after there has been a lot of violence seen on their shared border in terms of migrants and what that entails. And for our final piece of news today, we're going to talk about Australia and their fears of the coronavirus that might have put a strict limit to a resource that would be unsurprising to some, toilet paper. Yeah, you heard right, toilet paper. So we're going to dive into that. But with that being said, this is the podcast, the only podcast that is hosted by me, Kevin Hobie, and it is called A Mention with Kevin. Today's episode is episode 46. And it is the 4th of March, 2020. A resurgent Joe Biden scored victories from Texas to Maine on Super Tuesday, 
revitalizing a U.S. presidential bid that was teetering on the edge of disaster just days earlier. Biden took Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Minnesota, and the battleground states of North Carolina and Virginia. A strong start as 14 states and one U.S. territory went to the polls. He also won the solidly Republican state of Arkansas and Elizabeth Warren's home state, Massachusetts, and was ultimately declared the winner on Wednesday, today, in a tight race in Maine as well. His rival, Bernie Sanders, counted with a win in his home state of Vermont, Colorado, Utah, and was leading in the crucial delegate-rich California. Suddenly, the Democratic Party's presidential field, which featured more than half a dozen candidates a week ago, transformed into a two-man contest. Biden and Sanders, lifelong politicians with starkly different visions for America's future, were battling for delegates in a high-stakes election that marked the most significant day of voting in the party's 2020 presidential nomination fight. It could take weeks or months for the party to pick just one of them to take on President Donald Trump in November's general election. But the new contours of the fight between Biden and Sanders crystallized as the former vice president and the three-term Vermont senator spoke to each other from dueling victory speeches delivered from opposite ends of the country. Tuesday night. People are talking about a revolution. We started a movement. Biden said in Los Angeles, knocking one of Sanders' signature lines. Without citing his surging rival by name, Sanders swiped at Biden from Burlington, Vermont. You cannot beat Trump with the same old, same old kind of politics. Sanders declared taking down a list of past policy difference with Biden on Social Security, trade, and military forces. This will become a contrast in ideas. New York billionaire Mike Bloomberg dropped out of the race Wednesday and Warren was meeting with her campaign to determine whether there was any reason to stay in the race. She finished in an embarrassing third place in her home state and did not win in any of the states that voted. The balance of Super Tuesday's battlefield raised questions about whether the Democratic primary contest, which could stretch all the way to July's convention, or be decided much sooner. Biden's stronger finish punctuated a dramatic turnaround in the span of just three days, when he leveraged a blowout victory in South Carolina to score sweeping victories on Tuesday that transcended geography, class, and race. The former vice president showed strength in the U.S. Northeast with a victory in Massachusetts and Maine. He won delicate, rich Texas in the Southwest, Minnesota in the Upper Midwest, and finished on top across the South in Virginia, Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Arkansas, in addition to Oklahoma. Across Super Tuesday states, there were early questions about Sanders' claim that he was growing his support from his failed 2016 presidential bid. Biden bested him in Oklahoma, though Sanders won the state against Hillary Clinton four years ago. In Virginia, where Democratic turnout this year surpassed 2016's numbers by more than 50, uh, 500,000 votes, Sanders' vote share dropped significantly. And in Tennessee, Democratic turnout was up more than 30% from 
2016. But Sanders' raw vote total was only a few hundred votes greater than four years ago. Warren fought to be optimistic Tuesday night, facing a roaring crowd in Michigan before news of her disappointing home state finish was announced. She called on her supporters to ignore the political pundits and predictions as her advisors insisted she's willing to go all the way to a contested convention in July, even if she doesn't claim an outright victory anywhere. Here's my advice. Cast a vote that will make you proud. Cast a vote from your heart, Warren declared. She added, you don't get what you don't fight for. And I am in this fight. So some interesting news and some results that we are seeing from Super Tuesday. Uh, Joe Biden obviously claiming for the most part a, a pretty strong victory, but Bernie Sanders is not falling behind. Um, actually, I was keeping track of this today. There were some votes that were still coming in. It looks like Bernie Sanders is teetering around 500, and Biden is just around the 550 mark. It might have changed since I released this, but this is what I saw. Um, it's interesting. They're neck and neck right now. Obviously, um, candidates such as Mike Bloomberg, who has dropped out, didn't receive the type of support they were looking for, and neither did Elizabeth Warren. Um, if it were my kind of discretion as Mike Bloomberg or as Elizabeth Warren, I would kind of push in the favor of Bernie Sanders, um, give him a fighting chance against Joe Biden, because I believe that is their common enemy right now. Somebody who's just so much um, kind of entrenched within Washington and has that experience, but uh, doesn't really want to change the, the system itself, where Mike Bloomberg and um, obviously Elizabeth Warren are very against the institution that is placed there, and they kind of want to turn things around a little bit. They want to see a lot of change within uh, the government. So I think they should back Bernie Sanders. Um, they should endorse him and allow their voters to support this candidate in order for him to reach the presidential nomination. But that's just my opinion. These two are going to go at it. From what I can speculate, I am a huge fan of Bernie Sanders. I, I love his policies on the Green New Deal, on education, um, in terms of what he has planned for health care. He cares for the people. He wants to fight for the people. He wants to see change. He has not one cent given to him by major industries such as Big Pharma, the oil sands companies, or uh, that's a Canadian thing, but oil, oil companies in general, um, or any of those large corporations. Um, so he's not being influenced by those corporations, and I'd really like to see him win. Unfortunately, I have to speculate that if they go into the second portion of the nomination, where they require super votes, I think he might be ousted by the Democratic Party, just because they kind of side a little bit more with Biden, and a lot of them as well, I have to say, are in the pocket of those corporations such as Big Pharma or the big oil industries. Um, even tech has kind of their hand within um, feeding Washington uh, funds and kind of influencing them from the shadows. Um, so that's just my opinion, and we will continue to see how this race unfolds. And again, give our best wishes to Bernie Sanders in his fight in the future. Now turning to our second piece of news, Greek and Turkish riot police deployed on their shared border fired tear gas on Wednesday morning 
as hundreds of migrants tried again to cross into Greece. Amid an escalating war of words between Athens and Ankara about what has happening, Turkey accused Greece forces of shooting dead one migrant and wounding five others, a charge strongly denied by Greece, which said Turkish police were using tear gas to help the migrants illegally cross into its territory. More than 10,000 migrants have been trying to breach the borders of Turkey since last uh, s Thursday. It would no longer abide by a 2016 deal with the European Union to halt illegal immigration flowing to Europe in return for billions of dollars of euros in aid. Plumes of smoke wafted above the Kastanis border, a crossing as Greek soldiers fired warning shots in the air. A Greek army truck with loudspeakers told the migrants, mostly from Syria and other Middle Eastern nations and Afghanistan, in Arabic and other languages, that the border was closed. Greece and the EU accused Turkey of deliberately groading the migrants to cross the border as a way of pressuring Brussels into offering more money or support, supporting Ankara's geopolitical aims in the Syrian conflict. Turkey, which already hosts 3.6 million Syrian refugees and faces another influx from an upsurge in fighting in northwest Syria, says it cannot take it anymore and complains that EU have... Uh, aid fails well short of what is needed for the refugees. EU Foreign Policy Chief Josep Borrell, speaking in Ankara after talks with Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan, announced additional humanitarian aid worth 60 million euros, or 88 million Canadian, for the most vulnerable people in northwest Syria. Burrell also described the current situation on the Turkey-Greece border as unacceptable and urged Ankara not to encourage more migrants to enter the EU illegally. Senior EU officials visited Kastanis on Tuesday and announced 70, 700 million euros, or $1 billion Canadian, of new aid to Athens to help tackle the migrant crisis. Erdogan Long at odds with the EU over a range of issues, including Cyprus and Turkey's human rights record, told his ruling AK party that Greece must respect migrants' human rights. He repeated his claim that Greek forces were firing at defenseless migrants trying to enter Greece. Asked about the Turkish ascension, assertion that a migrant had been killed by the Greek forces, Greek government spokesperson Stelios Pestas said, Turkey is dissem disseminating fake news. I dismiss this categorically. A Turkish doctor at Erdenin Hospital near the border, Mustafa Burak Sayhan, said the emergency ward had received five patients on Wednesday with various firearm wounds, as well as the body of one man shot dead. Three of the patients who spoke to reporters said Greek police had opened fire at them at the border. We threw stones at them as they didn't open the border. Then they fired tear gas. Because the tear gas was not effective, they got out rifles and shot us with the rifles, said Abel Jaberi, a migrant from Iran. A Greek security official said the Turkish police were firing tear gas in an effort to push back Greek forces to help the migrants pass.
A Turkish security official said that they were trying to protect the migrants from the Greek fire. EU leaders fear a repeat of the 2015-2016 migrant crisis when more than a million migrants trekked to Western Europe via Turkey and the Balkans, straining European security and welfare services and boosting support for far-right parties. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Auburn, known for his tough anti-immigration stance, said 130,000 migrants have crossed the Greek border from Turkey and that uh, from Turkey that they must be stopped as far south as possible. It was unclear how much how he arrived at this figure, which is much higher than any previously mentioned. Prime Minister Bokyo Borisov of Bulgaria, which also shares a land border with Turkey, called after talks with EU officials in Sofia on Wednesday for renewed dialogue with Ankara on how to handle the migrants and shore up regional stability. An unknown number of migrants have also arrived on Lesbos and other Greek islands from the nearby Turkish coast in the past week through choppy seas, discouraged sailing for a second consecutive day on Wednesday. A Navy ship docked at Lesbos port will take in 508 migrants who have arrived since March 2nd, a Greek coastal officer said. He did not say where the ship would take them. Kusan, in a group of more than 100 migrants, which arrived in Lesbos four days ago and has been camping on the shore, said he left Afghanistan when he was uh, with his 17-year-old brother a month ago and crossed Iran and Turkey before reaching the island by dinghy. Our future is going to be bright because I am an educated person, so I don't need much help. I want the complete to complete my education, and then I will need a job, he told reporters. So, uh, interesting news regarding this, um, what we're seeing with this influx of migrants coming to Turkish borders, coming to Greek borders, how this is being dealt with. It seems like these countries are kind of trying to pour it on top of each other, saying, you take them, you take them. Very interesting. The um, Turkey, which is not part of the European Union, is requesting for more aid from the European Union um, as they are taking in um, refugees and they can't take enough. Uh, it's interesting how this situation is unfolding. Um, I haven't heard anything in terms of the EU making any official statements about um, giving more aid or organizing some more uh, dispersal of migrants. Um, or if this is a crisis, because if you remember from the 2015-2016 timeline, it was labeled as a refugee crisis for all that was going on in Syria, um, Lebanon, and um, some other neighboring Middle Eastern countries. Um, So we will keep a good eye on this and let you know if anything is updated. Our third piece of news and last piece of news for tonight is about Australia. Australia's major grocers put strict limits on purchasing toilet paper today after a rush of panic buying related to coronavirus fears emptied shelves as the country recorded its third case of local transmission of the disease. Uh, Yes, we here in Canada are at 20 people. These people are freaking out in Australia for their third case. Anyway, let's continue. Australia was one of the first countries to take a hard line on tackling the outbreak, imposing border controls on visitors from the epidemic's epicenter in China a month ago. It had reported 42 cases of the coronavirus 
the bulk of whom were evacuees from a cruise ship docked in Japan, and just three cases where people who have not left the country had been infected. Still, social media has been awash in recent days with photos and videos of people stockpiling goods, including sanitizing products and staples like rice and eggs. We are trying to reassure people that removing all of the lavatory paper from the shelves of supermarkets probably isn't a proportionate or sensible thing to do at this time, Australia's chief medical officer, Brandon Murphy, told a parliamentary hearing on Wednesday. Woolworths Group Limited, the country's biggest grocery chain, restricted sales of the essential product to four packs per shopper to help shore up stock levels while suppliers ramp up local production. The local arm of Costco's Wholesale Corporation limited its bulk buy-packs buy to one per customer. Because we all know Costco gives you quite a lot. So uh, one pack isn't enough. Even Prime Minister Scott Morrison was weighing in on a purchasing trend that appears to be at odds with stockpiling of long-lasting food like tin goods in other countries telling the public he had been assured by the major grocers they could meet any spike in demand. Police confirmed that they had called to a supermarket in Sydney to deal with a disturbance in an aisle, with local media reporting the authorities had cordoned off the toilet paper shelves as a result. Uh, other products... Um, yeah, we have an increased delivery from our distribution centers and our teams are working hard to fill the shelves as quickly as possible um the the wholesaler said um other products have also been seized on shoppers costco has put limits on purchasing of milk eggs rice and disinfectant and soap products kohl's group limited began posting signs in stores advising shoppers about shortages of hand and laundry sanitizer a few weeks ago um, German-owned discount Aldi Incorporated and U.S.-listed Kirkland Clark Group Corps, uh, which makes toilet paper for the Australian market via local subsidiaries, was not immediately available for comment. Australia's latest confirmed corona case, a 50-year-old woman, is the third person to have contracted the illness without traveling overseas. Stoking fears the virus will spread more quickly through the community. Officials said the woman worked at an aged care home in New South Wales State, where two elderly residents of the facility were also tested for the virus. One has been hospitalized, while the other, a 95-year-old woman, has died. Whether or not it was not related to the uh, whether or not it was related to the coronavirus, we don't know at this point. NSW Health Minister Brad Hazard told reporters about the death. Officials in NSW, the country's most populous state, were already investigating the case of a 53-year-old doctor who contracted the virus but had not tested any known but who had not treated any known infected patients. Australia has banned arrivals of foreigners who have recently traveled through China since February 1st. It it last week extended that ban to a people arriving from Iran, but cautioned it would no longer guarantee an infected person would not get through a border quarantine check. The government on Wednesday confirmed a man who had recently returned from Iran had contracted the virus, prompting officials to order 
anyone who has arrived in Australia from Iran since February 19th must self-isolate for two weeks. So it looks like um, fears of the coronavirus are continuing to heighten. It's very interesting to see that uh, Australia is really dealing with it, uh, considering they are very close in proximity and geography in terms of uh, cases uh, that are appearing within Vietnam. Um, they're, they're fairly close to Japan. Um, they have travelers from South Korea also coming to them. Um, it's very interesting to see this. I, I'm completely surprised that toilet paper has gone off the shelves at this point and people are just freaking out, uh, but I'm not surprised. Um, it's very interesting that coronavirus has affected the world in such a way. And uh, I hope to report some more on how other countries are dealing with this and how other people around the world are being affected by coronavirus. So with that, I'm going to end our news portion of today's episode. And we will move on to my favorite section, which is our advice column with me, your boy, Kevin. Um, so in this portion of the show, I get advice questions from you, the listeners, and I tried my best to answer any and all of your questions. Our listener today writes, should I travel to Japan for a wedding? Question mark. Let's go into this. Hey there. So, I'll jump right into it. My husband's brother is getting married in Kyoto, Japan, on March 29th, bearing any cancellations from his venue due to the coronavirus. There's some worry among his family there, but they're all waiting to see what he wants to do. My husband and I live in the States, and we're really excited to go back to Japan for this wedding. His brother is paying for our flights, hotel, he insisted, and... There were, they're covering our Airbnb and hotel for extra nights we're staying there. I'm a bit worried about traveling over there with the coronavirus, but I tend not to freak out over things like my family does. My grandparents, on the other hand, are scolding slash telling me I better not go. That I'm going to get the virus, I'm going to get sick and die. Don't argue with them on this. Freak out. So... I guess they called my mom and yelled at her to tell me not to go because they do that. My mom texted me and we talked. I told her I was still thinking about it and we lightly joked about it since it's going to come here to the States. It doesn't matter if I go or not. All joking aside, I understand that there are some concerns of, uh, Concerns are coming from. I'm not 100% sure on what to do. I've already paid for our Airbnb and JR Pass and hotel for one night in Tokyo all of which I'm sure we can figure out in a way to cancel, but still a pain because we really, really want to go. What should I do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to give you a little rundown in this section of what I think. Um, if you know the stats, there are a lot of stats and there's a lot of information. You can be pretty precautious about getting catching the coronavirus. Now, if I were saying you had planned this trip to Japan for touristy things, I would say it's best not to do that. But it sounds like you're going for a wedding, and weddings are usually uh, focused on the events that happen around the bride and groom. So you'll be going to dinners with them, you'll uh, be spending time with your family and stuff like that. Maybe it'll be in a larger setting at one point with the actual wedding. Uh, but for the most part, it's uh, it, it's most likely you're not going to be doing like a lot of touristy things or in dense areas. So my personal opinion, 
and based on some statistics that I've read on coronavirus, I would say you should go. From what I've seen from graphs, um, the largest hit population of coronavirus um, that is most likely to affect is those who are older than 55. I believe it like drops in terms of like um, your probability of catching it because if you're younger, you obviously have a higher immune system. Um, your immune system is newer. It's stronger because you're younger. Um, so I believe from my age group, like my range from like early 20s to late 20s, I think it's less than 1%. I believe it's like 1 to, I want to say 5% from your 20s to your 30s, um, 5% to 8% to your 40s, and then it's above there. Um, and, and particularly for those people who are scared, like your grandparents, uh, of dying, uh, it's only been recorded that 15% of those who are older than, I believe it might be even these like six, like the range is like 80, 80 years old or older, or at least 55. So if you're young like me, or you're under 55, and you feel like you have a good immune system, I would highly suggest going. I've always wanted to go to Japan. Your brother-in-law is paying for this, which is crazy. Um, so I would 100% do this. Enjoy this time. Try to not think about it. Um, be really precautious. Obviously, you can bring hand sanitizers. The Japanese ways to bow. Um, report if getting sick. And obviously, when you come back home, it's probably best to take some time off. Um, to self-quarantine or to make sure that you don't pass it to your scared grandparents who who are pretty scared about this, but probably not be in contact with people like them. Uh, but yeah, be very cautious. I don't think you should let fear dictate you. Um, and with something like this, um, where it is affecting a certain population, which is the older population, um, I, I, I want to say this because I don't want people to be selfish and just go, go and do whatever they want, go to China and then come back. And then like people who are in like, give it to the public over here and then people who are in the nursing homes or in, um, older communities start catching it and um, they start to get really affected by it by severe cases I don't want that of course I want you to be precautious I want you to be safe when you do this but I don't think that this should limit you and stop you from celebrating um, something so wonderful especially since you want to go to Japan so um, if it were me I would say go be precautious have fun um, tell people that you went to Japan for a while so that you can kind of self-quarantine um, the people that you need to do. Take a break when you come back home, maybe two weeks of self-quarantine or if you could, uh, I don't know, work from home for that period. And yeah, um, that's what I think you should do. But I, I wouldn't listen to the fear too much and I'd be smart about things. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, if you have a question of your own, you can give it to me at Kevin underscore Hobie my Twitter handle, or you can check out some of my content on YouTube at Kevin Hobie or at Studio Kevin and just type it in the search bar on YouTube. I just want you guys to remember to always brush your teeth and floss. And as always, have a good one. Bye.